G'day everyone, this is Greg Ryan and welcome to episode 34 of Rare and Resilient 1 in 5000 podcast where we're talking IARM. And today we are very fortunate to be joined by Noah who's 14 years old from Ohio in the United States who was born with IARM as well as his mum Amy. G'day Noah and Amy, how are we? Hey, we're good. That's great to hear. So what we're going to do is we're going to get Amy to have a chat to Noah and ask him some questions and talk about his experiences with IA. Over to you, Amy. Are there things that you would that you would like people to know about having having imperfect anus? It sucks sometimes a bunch. It is treatable, which is nice. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Do you find Noah that sometimes? it's easier to be open and to talk about it. And sometimes it feels a little more awkward. Yes. Okay. So have you always been open about sharing about your condition with people? No, I mean, I actually, uh, like I, maybe four years ago, I had like, I was going to tell like my entire basketball team about my condition um, because I was a little too enthusiastic about it. And I completely had a complete mental breakdown over the, uh, issue. Yeah. Well, you had something happen that you felt violated your privacy before you even got a chance to really talk to people about it. Right. Yeah. So what happened there is pretty much during my basketball thing, I have to wear pull-ups because I have a constant drip due to my condition. And so I went into like a, uh, like public bathroom at facility that we were doing our basketball thing at. And, uh, another kid on actually my team came in and was pretty much bullying me about the uh, thing. Yeah. And, and now looking back, I probably would have been like, get the hell out of here. Like, like back then I was very like timid and scared about it, but yeah. Well, what had happened was that if I remember correctly, the child actually, he got curious about what Noah was doing because Noah has what we call his go bag. And that's a bag that contains all the supplies that he needs to um, deal with his condition when he's in public. And that's where his pull-ups and things like that are stored and wipes and things like that, that he may need, depending on what happens when he's in the bathroom. Um, and that child was curious about what Noah was doing. He kind of heard crinkling paper or something like that. And so he actually climbed up and looked over the toilet stall and violated Noah's privacy by actually looking in on him when he was, was doing all of that, changing his pull-ups. So, and then he went and talked to other kids about it. So oh, that was, that, that did not help at all. Right. And that's actually when we met Greg. Because I and the worst out. part is he was the coach's son, so right. that makes it really awkward. And you know what was interesting is the coach actually happened to be a doctor as well. He was an OBGYN, so you would think that he would have had a level of sensitivity in handling that with his son and with the other players, but he actually really didn't. And I was really shocked by that because as an OBGYN, of course, he would be one of the first medical professionals that are aware of a baby having, a, you know, an anal rectal malformation, and so. I guess I just assumed there would be some finesse in handling that situation, but there wasn't. But anyway, that's how we met you, Greg. If you remember correctly, I had reached out in one of the big support groups and just said I had this situation happen with my son and it was very sad for him and he was overwhelmed and felt very alone. And Greg, you were very, very kind to um, give us time. I, I think we did a video call as well back then, actually. Yep. And um, you talked to Noah and we've been awfully glad to know you ever since. Yeah, I can totally understand the trauma that Noah would have gone through at that time. 
especially when you're in the privacy of a toilet cubicle and you'd think that you're actually safe. I tell you what, Noah, to be able to go out and still play with the team, that's incredible. If I'd have been in your position, I just would have ran and hide and not been seen for I don't know how long. The the funniest thing is like now, like I, I like wear pull-ups all the time and stuff. And so just like wiping your butt, like with toilet paper after you're done in like a stall. And so like, I do it so quickly that it's just like, like by like I could do it with my eyes closed pretty much. Right. And so it's, it's doesn't even bother me if someone looked in on me, like, and I'm also super comfortable with my body and stuff. So like, I don't mind if like, I'm not wearing my pants when I'm going past the neighbor. Like, the window <laughs> <of> the neighbor. <laughs> I, I hope that's not true. I no, mean, it's I, completely true. I'm sure they've <laughs> seen me many times. Fortunately, like street neighbors, like our, our window in the front. <laughs> well, fortunately, we live on a treed lot. So I'm sure the neighbors are grateful for that. I will say that's one thing about being a family that has someone with this particular condition is that you do learn to be really comfortable with nudity and with people's bodies. And because we have to help Noah do all of his daily tasks. He does a daily yeah, enema. Gets, like I a get the full, full view. Yeah, she gets right. a full view. <laughs> entire rear end that's right and okay everything that goes along with it yeah but the good news about that is that and i think we've talked about that maybe a little bit in the book too is just how close we are as a family i remember noah mentioning that and it really touched my heart because we really we really are really particularly close uh, in large part because of having to spend all that time together noah relies on us to help him do what other people find really easy once they get to a certain age and he has to have us and we're glad to have him and how do your siblings cope with everything, Noah, with all the extra attention you have to get? You'd think, like, because, like, I get most of the attention at the house, they'd probably be, like, like a little bit, like, not supportive about the whole thing, but they're actually really supportive. They don't have a single problem with the whole system. Like, my brother actually has learned how to do, like, the whole medical routine and stuff, and so he, like, helped me out with that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're, they're really supportive. Like I'm pretty sure everybody in the house knows the basic outline. Actually, that was one thing. So COVID was, has obviously not been fun for the entire world, but when we were on lockdown here in the United States, here in our state of Ohio for a period of time was, we were always so busy before that, that we had to be super regimented and Noah's routine tends to work best on a routine. You know, he, he's, his body does best if he does the same, he's on a bowel management program that involves an enema, a daily enema. So we do that at the same time every day, but we were always in a hurry to get through it because we had so many other activities going on. So when everything shut down and locked down, we were here and he actually got an opportunity to learn how to be a little bit more independent with his medical routine. He can do the entire thing himself now, except for actually holding the animal. And I actually do have a uh, system on that idea. Like, like I drew out some like specs for a plan, like a, like a machine to do that part for me. Yes. Oh, wow. So going back to the incident at the, at the basketball, do you think that actually changed you once you were exposed in such a way? Mm, nah, probably not. No, I think age has changed me probably. I think the change came in in learning to work through that is what I've observed as his mom, learning that, you know, he wouldn't always be able to rely on us for all the support he needed, that he really needed the interaction with other people like you, Greg, other people with his condition, because you are the folks, the folks who really understand. We love Noah, we empathize, but but you can sympathize because you've walked his shoes and you know what it's like to carry that particular 
burden and be on that particular journey. So I think that's something that's really important as kids begin to get older, that they do have relationships with, with some other folks that have their condition. So I think it's wonderful that there's so many things available with this podcast and with some of the different groups on Facebook and other social media where kids can get support. And Noah actually is going to be doing youth rally for the first time this year. You want to talk yeah, about I'm that? Yeah, I'm actually super excited for that. So so explain um, what youth rally is. Uh, so youth rally is a program designed for kids with imperforanus or probably just others like things like that are uh, related. Any stuff. bowel or bladder right. condition, right. I think. Yeah. Yep. And so um, you just go there and you meet other kids. You do fun activities just like mm-hmm. any other camp, but they also have like doctors and stuff that can do your routines and, mm-hmm. and stuff with you. The last years it's been um virtual because of covid they were hoping to have it in person this year but it again because there was a big surge in the united states back in december and january of covid they had to move it to virtual again because they just weren't even sure that first of all it'd be safe for the campers to be together yep. from all over the country like that and also because they weren't sure they could even get enough staff because you know the doctors and nurses who are there are all volunteers and they were needed in the field so it's going to be virtual that's coming up in july and noah's super pumped and i'm hoping that he'll make some more connections yeah as well. i'm really excited for that actually mm-hmm. i know how important youth rally has been to so many families and kids it changes their lives so much because you know it makes them feel not alone and it makes them be able to talk on a level that other kids just can't understand that's what you were saying before amy like to have that connection is is so important. So, Noel, what happens when you have certain foods and drinks that don't agree with you? Do you keep trying them or do you just say, no, I'm not using that anymore, it doesn't work, so I'll just move on? Yeah, so with, I don't know the, like, the scientific or medical terms for Pacific foods, but I do know that like apples that have a lot of fiber in them, I can't do like too many because it makes my poop extremely runny and I leak a lot during the day mm-hmm. if I uh, eat a lot of that. And like for constipated, like more like gas and stuff, um, like it also does, like it makes me constipated if I have too much like, like carbonated drinks or like bread or uh, chips or crackers or something like that. Yeah, just so everybody understands, so Noah's on a bowel management program that involves an enema. And as I was saying before, it it really is is routine driven. His body works best. So the way it works is he gets up in the morning, he eats breakfast, and then he lets his colon rest for an hour. And then at that point, he starts the enema procedure. And he does that by kneeling. Um, we have a solution that goes in. It's Castile soap, uh, liquid glycerin, and um, uh, saline. And we mix that all together. And then it goes in while he's kneeling over the course of, you know, 20 or 30 minutes or so he's down on the ground. And then when he, when he gets, when his colon is irritated, which is what those ingredients do, he sits on the toilet and he empties over a period of about 35 to 40 minutes usually. And it is a daily commitment and it's a lot of work, but it works extremely well for Noah because he is now what is called socially continent. And that means he stays completely clean basically every day of the year, as long as he stays on routine like that. So as he was saying, what throws him off sometimes is different foods that he eats because of the enema. He's not as restricted as some people who try to manage who have maybe a less, a lower imperforanus. He's got high IA. He was born with high IA, which um, tends to mean you, you do wind up being on enemas most of the time. Yeah. So, so that's what works for Noah anyway, but the food thing, we always say he can't go too far on either side of the spectrum of the fiber spectrum. (laughs) So if he eats too many things with fiber, like fruits and vegetables in their most pure state, then he will have what we call breakthrough poo. And that's where he has accidents. That's what I've always called it. it. 
Okay, I call it that. No yeah. one doesn't call it that. I just call it diarrhea, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I that's what my husband and I have always called it. So it, then that can happen if he has too much white rice, white bread, things of that nature, even like receive fast food and things like that, then he will get really constipated. And so his enema isn't very effective. So sometimes those are the only things that ever mess him up though. And what we've learned is that if he does have white rice or white bread or something like that, just the next day, (laughs) if he just needs to compensate by like having apples. So we just try to keep him there in the middle of the fiber spectrum. And he does really well. He does not do well with carbonated drinks, as he was saying. That causes gas. It seems to exacerbate his constipation. And it's just, it's not a good time. Right. But I like that. <laughs> I don't blame you, mate. I don't blame you. I also like apples and chips. So, I mean, it's kind of good, right? So, initially, you said you, you were very private about your IA. So, right. when did that start to change, Noah? And when did you... Th- Amy, when did you see him start to change in that regard? I I think it started to change probably going into my teens, I would say, because I don't know, like now I think of myself as a super ripped hot dude that just walks around. <laughs> you know, I think it really comes down to the amount of confidence you have in yourself. Yeah. So like, yeah, I have some pretty strong confidence in myself, I would say. Yeah, I would concur. I think that the incident that happened with basketball, I'm trying to think when that was, Greg. I think Noah was probably nine when that happened. It was about five years ago when we met you, I think. Yep, that, that would be about right. Yep. That, from what I understand, is super normal for kids with IA to, to get that feeling of being self-conscious and exposed or the fear of exposure is like super common around that eight, nine, 10, 11 age grade. So it was super normal the way he was feeling, um, even if he hadn't had that specific experience, I think. But as he was saying, he started to transition after talking to you. And just as he got older, he, and it was what we always really wanted for Noah is that he would on his own terms, become confident in sharing who he is, because we don't think this is anything to hide. It's nothing to be ashamed of. I'm so proud of him, of how he's handled it, how he handles himself, how he handles his routine. I'm proud of our family, how we have worked through so much. And and Noah is just a great, great kid. He, he faithfully does his routine. He is, he just does what needs to be done. And I'm really, I'm really proud to be. His I'm, mom. I'm really good at routines. Yes. Just, just really good at routines. So it helps. Like I obviously got the routine gene. Which is good. <laughs> uh, so that helps a lot. Cause I'm really good at routines, yes. but yeah. Did that coincide with him getting onto this bowel management program? When did that happen? No, actually. So our local children's hospital tried to manage Noah's care until he was about two and a half, almost three. I actually wish they told us earlier that they, were, that they wouldn't really be able to handle him for Fredanus. They tried his surgeries. They tried managing his constipation. And it was two and a half years of just absolute hell. It's actually really hard to think about still. Sorry. No, no, <laughs> that's... Because it was just really hard on this little body and constipation. It sounds so simple for people who don't have an anorectal malformation. I think, oh, I'm just a little constipated, but this is like painful and difficult and, and possibly lethal. Yeah, correct. Absolutely. So it's, it was really challenging to try to, and then the normal methods that would work for a body that was installed correctly, that doesn't work for kids with imperfect anus very well at all usually. So, so for two and a half, almost three years, we really struggled with our local children's hospital until finally one day they were just like, yeah, we can't, <laughs> we can't help you anymore. You're going to need to reach out. So they suggested that we visit um, the colorectal center at Cincinnati children's and you know, we subsequently found out that's where people from all over the world were going. And at that time, Dr. Pena and Dr. Levitt were both there and they were well known for the PSARP, you know, procedure, which was yes. what they attempted at our 
Harvard Children's Hospital, but it wasn't very successful. Long story short, we went to Cincinnati. Noah was three when we went down there and they redid everything. And what's cool about that too, is that Noah has associated kidney issues because of how high his uh, fistula was. So they were able to reconstruct his urethra, they were able to redo his pull through. And then they were I able to- I don't know any of these words actually mean, yeah. but, but <laughs> I, I actually would like to learn more about like the surgery they actually yeah. did on me. I think that would be a really cool thing. Yeah, let's do it. About. Yeah. I, I actually was thinking like, I do not want to have the surgery where they um, put in the, uh, what, what do you call that? He doesn't want to have a Mitrofenoff right. or, or the, he doesn't or want a Malone. Malone, right. But I would, I, I would like to like think of other alternatives. Like I, I've been like thinking about some other ideas, like other surgeries and ideas. Like, like obviously like they have not made like muscle yet. So you, you can't really no. replace. I'm sure that they could probably make some kind of like uh, robotic thing. <laughs> That's what no one's hoping. People and, are smart. Right, right. I mean, they already Oh, like walking robots. So what's the difference? Well, and it would be nice because that's what I was telling you, Greg, is that when we were down in Cincinnati, originally, when we first went down, they got us set up with a bowel management program, even before he had all of his, his big surgery to redo everything. We, we, were, we spent that surgery was a three week long whole thing. But when we came back, they tweaked it for us. And then that particular setup when, when I think he was almost four, when we were all done with all those procedures again, that has now worked for 10 or 11 years. So that's pretty impressive. We sometimes have to adjust the ingredients or the amount of saline a little bit because he's gotten bigger. But other than that, it's worked really well. So I don't think that having that done was any part of why he felt self-conscious. I don't think that was it. I think it was just, you know, we just are a society that tends to hide, you know, anything under your clothes and right. you don't talk about yeah. the problems you have down south, you know? Yeah, like probably like during during the issue, like I was very, it was, it was very like like it did not make me feel comfortable at all. Like I was right. very, uh, maybe shut down or yeah, closed yeah, off. Yeah. Closed off. Yeah. Like during that, it was, it yeah. was very, uh, not good for the, uh, uh, confidence. Part. Right. The mental health at that right. point was very bad, I think. And I've heard people talk since about the wisdom of maybe getting a child of that age in to see a therapist. And I think that would actually be, I think that would be, if I, if I had anything to redo, I think we've done a lot of things, right since Noah was born. But I think one thing that I wish that we had done and um, was to maybe start him with a therapist when he was- I still want a therapist. Yeah, right. We've actually been talking about that recently. Just, yeah. a, just a different person to listen. I can't emphasize enough how important the mental health side of it is. And I've interviewed child psychologists on here and, and we're very fortunate now that the major colorectal centers do include having psychology and social workers there to help from that perspective. And I really found it interesting, Amy, that that was 13 years ago when you were just talking about all the problems you had at the old hospital and you got emotional just thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because nobody wants their child well, to she, be in pain. I, I was probably, I was put out for most of like my surgeries and stuff, but they were like in the room watching. So it's Correct. a very, probably extremely like they probably have PTSD at this point, like over the issue of IDS. I think that's know. not fair off, actually it's, for Noah and for us, really. I don't, I, I, I probably, I think I, I like remember being hooked up to like some machines and stuff like once, but I, I'm pretty sure they knocked me out for pretty much every surgery I had. I say the same thing that the parents are the ones that do the hardest in the early years because we don't remember. Right. 
and I've spoken to so many parents who have needed to talk to someone as well to deal with it because mm-hmm. you can't go through what you what parents go through with that look you you went through it till four years when he had to get his redo done and and that's a really salient point for anyone who's listening who's child may have had the surgery by not necessarily a specialist and and it's no one to blame because the pediatricians at the local hospitals where the child's born or whatever you get transferred to they might only see one anorectal malformation patient in their lifetime you can't emphasize enough how important these colorectal centers are and most of them do a third of their patients are redo surgeries right and agreed and Noah's a prime example of having that redo surgery has changed his life, I'd say. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. The other thing too, is that I think that until for some patients, they have to be at that age of two or three, when you begin to toilet train for, for the, for the parents to really understand, oh, this isn't manageable anymore. And so that I think can play into, you just stick with your local hospital. And I never want anybody to feel like less than supported about the choices they make as a parent. But my biggest thought is I wish we'd taken Noah to a colorectal center from day one. You know, um, I think somebody may have even vaguely mentioned Cincinnati to us back then, but at that point it was four or five hours away from home. And that seemed like, you know, thousand years away from home because we had this little baby that we hadn't expected to have any issues at all. It was all a surprise the day that he was born. They actually missed it on Noah's initial check. One of the things that you look for when you have a newborn is an anal opening. It's like right on there. It's like nursing 101. And that day, for whatever reason, that nurse forgot to do that part. Yeah, and probably, so- I'm, I'm sure they're like very comfortable with their job, but I'm sure like their least favorite part is like just splitting a baby's butt crack and looking <laughs> in it. You know? Well, it was just unfortunate because Noah was 12 hours old before we found out. So that was just very difficult because it, they, when they went to do his 12 hour check, he was born around 12 or one in the afternoon. So it was between 12 and one in the, you know, in the middle of the night when they took him to go check him and then they did find it. And so this was very shocking to us. We had noticed like Noah's blowing like little bubbles. We thought it was so cute, but it was actually because all that air and gas was trapped inside him and he actually could have, could have died. And so for a number of years, I just thought about all the what ifs and what could have been. And, but, you know, a friend really counseled me as a mom, and I've taken this to heart for other things with Noah and with my other children to say that, but that didn't happen. That isn't what happened. And to try to look at what was positive, even out of a very human mistake that that woman made that day was that we had 12 hours with Noah. We had 12 hours with our little baby when we didn't know anything was wrong and it didn't really change or affect Noah's life. But that was um, the only time that our older son, who was four at that time, got to hold Noah for six months. Because as soon as they found out, you know, he got rushed to the local children's hospital from the little hospital where I delivered in the middle of the night, they took him in a little glass box by special transport. And then it was surgery after surgery. And there were so many things going on in his little baby body How that many surgeries did I have? I actually don't even know. Uh, but we're there were a lot. About, we're going to say about 21, probably. Oh, there's more than that, I'm sure. Okay, overall. about 50 now. Because they consider all the scopes a type of surgery and stuff. But anyway, but that was the, you know, the beginning of a long journey of a lot of painful surgeries and recoveries. And so you couldn't have a four-year-old hold this little baby who had a urostomy and a colostomy and like all this stuff going on. So So that's what I guess I've learned as a parent is that even when things don't go exactly right, when you look back over this journey that we have walked through and will continue to walk through for the rest of Noah's life, even the mistakes wound up being something that 
I don't want to sound trite. It's not that the mistakes were good, but it's just that even in the things that were difficult or didn't go the way that they should have gone, we learned something or we experienced something we wouldn't have otherwise experienced. She really just, this podcast, wow. She just completely made this podcast work out. (laughs) Sense of humor, I think is something I've noticed with people who have this particular deformity. I think you have to have a sense of humor. Um, Our family has learned to find things funny that probably wouldn't be funny to anybody else. I I remember- like things just go so bad. You just just have to laugh. (laughs) Well, I remember even in the NICU, which is like the special, you know, the special area of the hospital for babies who are really suffering in some way. My husband and I would, we thought of all the cliches that didn't apply to our child. Like, you know, no one could ever call him an a-hole, you know? (laughs) Actually, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I just quoted that last one from Star Trek. And we used to talk about how um, they should have awareness ribbons. Back then there wasn't anything for imperfect anus that we were aware of. And so we said they should be like brown ribbons, you know, like the awareness ribbons you wear on your shirt. So you picked prettier colors for yours, Greg, than we had in mind. I, I want to, I want, um, a, uh, one in 5,000 sweatshirt. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But my question is, my question is why is the one not inside the 5,000? It's one in 5,000. Hang so, on. Mate. You're, hang on. You're not supposed to be asking me questions. <laughs> if you look at our logo, the O in the one, the shape of the O, it's like a little baby. Uh, okay, I never noticed that part. I also, obviously I noticed the butt shaped part. Yeah, 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 but so that's why I I wanted that. Well, it's been a wild journey with Noah. I wouldn't want to do it with anybody but Noah. He has been uh, a really a trooper through the whole thing. I I can't say we handle everything correctly, but but Noah has really has grown and matured, and I think he uses his experiences with imperfectness to really um, look differently at the rest of the world as well. So he is very compassionate. No, not really. He really looks for fairness. Yeah, you like things to be fair. You worry about things being accessible to other people. So that's something I think as he gets older, I'm hoping he'll be able to use his story and his voice, you know, to benefit a lot of other people. I can't emphasize how much his voice by people listening to this podcast now is going to change so many lives, especially of younger boys and girls who they get into that eight, nine, 10 year old stage that, and I, I was very similar to you, Noah. That's when I probably started to realize I was different. And because up to about that that age, you know, I know you don't really know that you you're that different. Because I just expected everyone to went to the toilet and had accidents and like like I like, like I did. You didn't really understand till you get to a certain age, and that's when you saw sort of like, oh, hang on. So I can totally understand what you're saying there. And you know how you say you'd like to know more about the piece up. Right. Well, recently I had Dr. Pena on on the podcast and he was wonderful. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you Dr. Pena's details and you can bring him or email him. And I'm sure he will love to talk to you as you were one of his patients. That would be great. I sure know I would enjoy that very much. Yeah, I would actually. I know, I know you would. He, yeah. loves, he loves researching and finding out more about it. I think we, we both wish... There's still a lot that science doesn't know about why this happens. They have a few theories, but nothing that's, it's very shocking to me. I mean, one in 5,000 is rare, but it's not that rare. There are an awful lot of babies born across the world with this condition every single year. And I think that um, we wish there'd be more emphasis put on it. it. It's not that it would fix or cure anything, but if you know why something happens, you know, hopefully you can work to prevent it for other babies. Yeah. I've said to many parents that the greatest scientific me- 
minds and doctors in the world have been trying to work out for 200 years what's caused it and they haven't been able to cause it so trying to work it out it'll just beat yourself up and you'll never get the answer you want at the moment so that's sort of like my my attitude towards it what? Yeah. towards the cause cause greg it feels like maybe the knowing the cause isn't that important sure it is i mean it's super important you can improve all your surgeries and stuff over mm. that well. if you knew why it happened right well, maybe like so amy you want to mention something about taking photos I do. I do. So when Noah was first born, um, I was very self-conscious about the fact that he had so many bags and tubes and surgery scars. And I was so concerned. I remember being very concerned as a, you know, a, a first time mom of a child who had any type of medical issue. I was very concerned that he would, that he would feel different or look different. And so I didn't take pictures. I, I deliberately would hide the colostomy bag and the urostomy bag and I'd position things around him. So you couldn't see the bags and the tubes. And I wish that I hadn't done that now all the time. I think some of it was fine, but like, I remember being at a local portrait studio when Noah was small, trying to hide all of that to get a family photo, you know, or to get a family or to get a photo with his older brother. And I, and I understand now that that was just part of Noah's journey. And it was, and maybe it was my own way of learning that I don't have to hide that. You know, there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to be secretive yep. about that. Those I liked it personally, That's because it would have made me like, uh, mechanical baby, <laughs> super mechanical baby. That's me, <laughs> yeah, he had a lot of extra pieces and parts, but I think it's fine to take pictures without it showing. But what I'm saying is I wish I hadn't felt obligated to hide it because I was so worried that it would bother him later or it wouldn't look right in pictures. And, and now I just wish that I had more pictures because I have a few that like kind of got captured accidentally, but like, I kind of miss being able to look back and, and know what his colostomy looked like now that it's closed up or, or to know what it looked like just so that he could even see part of his journey, you know, sort of like a, a journal of what he went through. I mean, it is very impressive. He can see the scars, but he doesn't necessarily know what was in all the places where the scars are. So I, I would say document your child's history. You know, if you want to write it down and journal it, that's great. But pictures are, are really I important. actually have a pretty good guess who's in place though. <laughs> tubes. Yeah, a lot of tubes. A lot of tubes. Yeah, no, that's, that's great, Amy. And actually, I can actually relate to that because back in my day, like they would never have taken photos of your colostomy or whatever back then. And I have this strange thing that I see the stomas, maybe I've blanked them out, but I sort of like part of me just can't relate to it because I haven't seen photos of me with the stomas. I've seen the photos with the, the binder around my waist because I didn't see the actual stomas, there's part of me just sort of like goes into denial. I, I, I think, I, I suppose I could, I could say. It's so overwhelming. You sometimes don't even remember all the things that were attached to your child. And I think it's important to remember the parts of their story, you know, as they, as they evolved and changed. So Noah, if you were talking to Noah, seven year old, eight year old, what would you be saying to him right now? Uh, with like the technology these days, you probably will be fine. Okay. Like probably <laughs> like you're probably going to have a few like, uh, bladder infections, maybe a few, uh, constipation, you know, uh, okay. yeah, you're going to have some issues along the way, but you'll probably come through fine. Okay. But, yeah. There's a solution for every problem. That's what our family has yeah, said. Yeah. The one thing that new parents are just discovering and older parents know for sure. And that, that I wish we could communicate more to the families and friends of people who have a, a IA person living in their household or, you know, are related to someone with IA is that 
This is a condition that is life absorbing. Our life revolves around Noah's routine, our family life and Noah's life for sure. I do not like that personally, but right. yeah. Yeah, it's a big responsibility. Like just today, just today when I was, uh, I got up really late because that's, uh, I've just been getting up really late lately. And my mom had some, uh, like a meeting she had to do for a new homeschool co-op co we're doing because I'm homeschooled and stuff. So like I have to do my stuff. So she had to have her meeting outside. So I think that, but so just the, the understanding that, you know, we have to be on a routine for him and we have to get up at a certain time. And so that means if we're up late at night, it makes it tricky in the morning to get him up early to get through all his stuff, to get to the next event, you know, keeping that in mind for sporting events and things like that, that starts super early in the morning. Noah sometimes has to get up at like 5am to get everything done before he can go do that. Um, and it's not that there's not some flexibility in when we do it. It's just his body does best in this particular routine. So the other concern too, is just that we, we really have to be like with COVID and, and just any virus or any illness that really throws him off. Like we were, we were concerned about him getting COVID. He did wind up getting COVID unfortunately, and he developed long COVID, which was difficult. He, it, it caused some additional kidney issues that he's been dealing with for the last year. So, so a lot of his symptoms have now resolved. Yay. But that was rough. So, so just even understanding that, you know, might, we, we might stay away from exposure to germs and things like that in a way or even just being sick and congested and congested when you're doing an enema isn't super fun when you're, you know, face down on the floor for half an hour. Yeah. Also, I, I also just would say that it's not a fun time to get sick in general. Right. So, but it's yeah. extra not fun when you have a whole daily routine that has to be done, whether you're sick or not. Right. I actually remember like probably, I think it's having like probably the, it was probably the flu, like, uh, like a couple times and you're just so weak. It's like yes. actually hard to stay on your knees. I think I wanted, would want to make sure that people knew that it actually does get better. Like this is with, IA is with you always, but your kid's going to be okay. He's going to learn to cope. Your family is going to be able to handle it and deal with it. He's going to find friends and a mate who are going to be able to, you know, there's no pot so warped. You can't find a lid to fit. Right. So that is what we think will happen with Noah. He'll wind up with a special group of folks surrounding him, just like he has right now with our family that's so wonderful and amy what would you say to amy the mother 14 years ago i think i would say this is going to be hard but it's going to change your family in ways that you will understand are good even though it's hard that even though it will always be hard it will also be good that there are things that your child is going to show you through what he deals with that are going to inspire you and challenge you and going to teach you how to be a better person and that the rest of the kids will be okay. You know, I didn't always know uh, when Noah was born, he knows the story. <laughs> His brother was four, which is a tough time already to get a what, new sibling here in a second. So there was a story when, when we were in the hospital and Noah was having his first surgeries, you know, day one of his life, day two, I guess somebody brought two stuffed animals to the hospital for my older son and told him one was for Noah. They're identical little puppies. One was for Noah and one was for Jameson, our older son. And they said, you know, you can name them and one's for your brother and one's for you. Do you remember what they call so, what they called them? Like they're they're almost always my 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 siblings are almost always supportive. You know <laughs> right. what I'm saying? Almost, right. almost at the age of four it might have been hard to understand. But yeah, yeah, a little bit. But <laughs> but my older son named named one of the little dogs I like you. And one of the little dogs, I don't like you. <laughs> yeah. And next time, next time you 
um, next time uh, we get uh, some uh, teddy bears, I'm, I'm given, I don't like you to change. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's the other thing too, is if you have other children, whether they were older than your child with IA or younger than your child with IA, they're going to be okay too. This will change them because it's changing you and it's changing your other, the child who has imperfect anus, but it is, it is overall for the rest of us, a positive thing because we will never look at the world the same way again. We will look to see how the world accommodates people with special conditions and disabilities. We will look to make things more fair than they already are. And we're going to advocate our rear ends off, pun intended. That's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So Noah and Amy, I can't thank you enough for being so open today. It's been wonderful. Noah, you're going to change the lives of so many kids that are going to listen to this. And Amy, you're going to change the lives of so many parents who listen to this because you're going to give them hope and knowing that it's going to be okay. It really is. And also just know everyone that, that there are those of us who understand how very hard it is. We've got the people who have the condition and the people who have raised them and we understand. So reach out for help, look for support. We're here. Alrighty. See you later. Great to chat with you, Greg. Have a good night. Bye. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye.